Who is Jesus? Well, history will record that Jesus Christ is the most captivating. He is the most influential. He is the most studied. He is the most examined. He is the most written about, sung about, discussed. He is the most controversial person of all time. And even after more than 2,000 years of interest in Jesus Christ, there's no decline in man's curiosity about him. There is, however, a lot of confusion about him. There's a whole lot of deception about him. And there is doubt in the minds of many about Jesus. But if you are confused or deceived, or you have doubt, it is not because Jesus wasn't extremely clear about who he was, and what he was about, and why he was here. He made some pretty outrageous claims. Let's look at a few of them. Jesus claimed that the whole human race is dead in sin and headed for an eternal hell. That'll get your attention, won't it? He claimed that he was our only savior from hell, that he was the only hope we had. Jesus claimed that he is the only one who can forgive men and women, boys and girls, of their sins. He also claimed that he was the only one who could bring true peace, genuine joy, permanent peace, Peace and joy that is not affected by circumstances because it is rooted in relationship with the God who made you. Jesus claimed that he was the only one who could take us to heaven. Now, anybody who makes claims like that, really it takes them out of the realm of just curiosity and brings them into the critical category. Here's what I mean by that. Critical in the sense... That anybody who would say these things, ladies and gentlemen, it is absolutely essential that men deal with these claims. He claim, his claims were astonishing. And they demand that all of us take an honest look at him. Because he says what we believe about him will determine where we spend eternity. So why do we need to know who Jesus is? It's pretty simple. Where you spend forever. Where you will spend forever. And we will all spend forever somewhere. We will all spend forever either in heaven or in hell. And it is all based on what we believe about Jesus. Jesus made this claim. This is probably the most outrageous, clearest claim he made. He said, I am the way. As a matter of fact, in the book of Acts, the Christians, that is the first place where the word Christian is used, and Christians were called people of the way. That's what we are. He is the way, and we are his people, so we are people of the way. Isn't that right? He didn't say, I am a way or I'm one of many ways, he said, I am the way, and what else? The, and the, I am the way, the truth, and the life, 
And what he, what he meant by that was eternal life, spiritual life, physical life too, but the physical life is temporary. It's that eternal, spiritual part of us that we need to be focusing on. And then he said, no one can come to God except through me. Boy, those are pretty, um, pretty, strong, pretty strong claims. And when you read them, you have to determine, you have to decide, you know, either this is the delusion of some madman, because we all always are hearing men who claim to be Messiahs. He said people would come and claim to be the Savior and claim to be the Messiah. So this, again, is the illusion of some madman. It is either that or maybe the powerful deception of a clever liar, or maybe it's the truth. And maybe there are no other options if we want to go to heaven except Jesus Christ. It's always interesting to me this time of year and also around Easter how the influential media, the elite educators, write these articles and books, put it on television because they're in search of the true Jesus. Don't you like these shows? We're looking for the real Jesus. They always fail to find the true perspective of who he is. I mean, the Jesus they come up with, you know, the Jesus of, of Time magazine, the Jesus of Newsweek magazine, they always fail to come up with the right Jesus because he is a Jesus of their invention. And what they fail to do is one of two things. They either totally fail to look at the Bible, which is the only source you can go to and really find out who he is, or either they look at the Bible and say, well, it's just another book like any other. It has no special um, inspiration. It's just a history book. So they never really discover who the true Jesus is. They doubt the validity of the Bible. They doubt the truth of the Bible. But ladies and gentlemen, I proclaim from the pulpit of this church that the Bible is true. The Bible is truth. We believe that. And, and, and if you haven't decided that you believe that yet, can I tell you, we still welcome you here because we want you to check out the Bible. We want you to investigate the Bible. As a matter of fact, um, if you want to read some books that will help you understand that the Bible is true, we'll put those in your hand. We're going to offer next year, probably in February or uh, March, we're going to offer a Wednesday night Bible study. How many of you have ever heard of the great preacher John Piper? We're going to have John Piper here on video. <laughs> I really had your attention there for a minute, didn't I? And uh, he's going to do a series called Why Do We Believe the Bible? I think it is important, God has been pressing it on my heart as your pastor, we need to uh, know why we believe some of the things we believe. We, you know, we can go around saying, I believe in Jesus and the Bible. And somebody one day is gonna look at you and go, why? And you're gonna just say, cause. <laughs> it's Jesus and the Bible. <laughs> you, know, you gotta know more than that. <laughs> Um, so we're going to help you. Uh, we need uh, apologetics in the Bible, uh, in the church. Uh, and what that means is we don't go around apologizing. Uh, it means you know why you believe what you believe. 
You, you, you have an understanding of the roots of, of your faith. And, and when people challenge you in love and compassion and tenderness toward them, you can just say, consider this, and have you considered this? You'll have some armor. You'll have some knowledge. It's important to have that. Um, there are a lot of ways you can validate the Scripture. Let me just give you three real quickly. Actually, four. First of all, you can validate the truth of the Bible through experience. Now, what I mean by that is, uh, you can simply observe that when people do what the Bible tells them to do, uh, the promises that the Bible had in there after that, if you'll do this, this will happen, that it happens. Did that make sense? You know, if you're out there and you're an unbeliever, and uh, you haven't accepted Christ, you haven't accepted the Bible, you, you know, you think the church is full of hypocrites. Anybody ever heard that excuse, the church has hypocrites, I just wondered. Um, you know, call 2020, oh, big news. Um, sure, the church has hypocrites, but we're not pointing you to us. We're, we're, we're you. <laughs> we're pointing you to him. You know what Whitley Church is? It is a gathering of broken people God is healing. Amen? We're all broken. We're all broken. Sometimes I think I'm fixed. And then I find out I'm still broken. It's very humbling. Some of y'all point that out from time to time. Thank you. So we can simply observe that when Bible, people do what the Bible says, when people do what the Scripture tells them, that the promise that came right beside that, that said, if you obey, this will happen, then you see that happen, then you, that, that's experience. There's nothing wrong with experience. I mean, you could take note that people who embrace Christ really do have joy. People who embrace Christ and walk in him really do have a peace that surpasses the world's understanding. This validates the Bible. When people turn to Jesus and trust him for forgiveness of sin, when they accept by faith his promises, when people obey the scripture, you see the evidence that that things actually come to pass that God said would come to pass if you obeyed him. This is called experience. And don't misunderstand me. Experience is fine, a great way. It's a, it's a legitimate way, a real way to, to validate the truth of Scripture. Experience. It verifies the Bible. But it's not the best way. Not the best way. It is a good way, an excellent way, but not the best then you could go to science and you could take the Bible and you could put it right down beside any true science book. Now, there's a lot of made-up science. Y'all do understand that, don't you? Y'all do know some science has been made up to control your life. Amen. Uh, I, I believe all, I, I want clean water and a clean earth, and I think we ought to be good stewards of this earth God gave us, but I'm not going to worship the earth. Tree huggers. I just love this tree. I love trees too. Sometimes I like them in the fireplace. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just saying. Because God made them grow again. They're like a crop. Don't get me started. Y'all got me started. God hadn't wanted us to eat animals. He shouldn't have made them out of meat. I mean, that's how I... <laughs> what? I'm just saying. I just lost all my PETA people. 
<laughs> but you could compare the scriptures to science and you would find that the Bible's absolutely accurate with true science. The Bible doesn't, the Bible's not an enemy of science. Science validates the Bible. Science validates the scripture. The problem is when these scientists make these discoveries, I want to go, dude, that was already in the Bible. If you'd read the Bible, you could save billions of dollars doing all those tests. The truth, y'all did know that when um, Columbus, you know, was looking for India and found us, <laughs> they thought he was going to ride off the side of the earth. They thought his boat was just going to sail over the edge and fall into wherever. But the Bible had already said the earth is round. Read the Bible. The Bible had already said before Columbus that the earth was a sphere. It wasn't flat, but it was round. The earth had, the Bible had already said that. You know, long before most scientific stuff is ever discovered, the Bible already had it in there. And then they discovered that the earth wasn't really hanging on anything. It was just kind of suspended out there in space. You know, for a long time, men thought the earth was hanging on something. As a matter of fact, there are some religions today, you know, people laugh at Christians and make fun of Christians. There's a very popular religion today, I won't mention because there may be somebody here who has kind of got a background in that and it would be offensive to you, but they believe that the earth is on the back of an elephant. And that when the elephant walks, it shakes, and that's what makes earthquakes. And we're crazy? As a matter of fact, the, earth's, the, the, the Bible said long before scientists sent out some spaceship to look back at the earth and go, hey, it isn't hanging on anything. It's just right there. You know, before that, God already said the earth hangs upon nothing. It's right there in your Bible. It's already there. I mean, when you read this, you realize that the Bible revealed these things to everyone long before scientists had come to their conclusion. I mean, isn't it pretty cool, the whole universe thing? I mean, just a little part I understand. Yeah, I mean, it's like God got up that day and went, okay, today I'm going to make earth. So he made it, Genesis. And then he just told the earth, he said, just hang right there. Go right there. Now don't move any closer, everybody will fry. Don't move any, I mean, any little tiny fraction away, everybody will freeze. Stay right there. And then God went. And uh, why are you just hanging there? Why don't you just spin around? That'll make day and night. And we'll, we'll, it'll take 24 hours for you to spin all the way around. That'll make day and night. And then, why don't you go around the sun spinning like that? And uh, that'll take 365 days. We'll call that, oh, I don't know. Let's just call it a year. Oh, and by the way, while you're spinning like that and going around the earth, won't you just kind of tilt a little bit back and forth and that'll make summer and fall and winter and spring. Isn't that awesome? I mean, God did all that and then he just backed off and looked at it and went, that's good. <laughs> that's good right there. Amen. <laughs> It's all right for God to make something, look at it and go, that's good. One way he said when I was born. Mm. When I was born, he went, mm. 
I'm going to have to help that boy. We could look at the Bible experientially, and it would prove it. We could look at the Bible scientifically, and it would prove it. We can look at the Bible prophetically. I mean, if you investigate the Bible, you're going to find a lot of predictions in the Bible. And I'm not talking about what we preached on in the summer, last days, things that are going to come that haven't come yet. I'm talking about predictions that have already come. I mean, they've already been made and already come to pass. Your Bible is filled with prophecies and the fulfillment of that prophecy. As a matter matter of fact, there's over a hundred prophecies about Jesus alone that were made and fulfilled in the Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing that is clearer validation of the Scripture than that. There There are prophecies about men and nations and events clearly revealed, spelled out in detail, and every one of them have come to pass just the way the Bible said they would. So don't doubt the validity of the Bible. Don't doubt the truth. And if you still do, I hope you will reach out and, and I'm gonna tell you about some resources in just a moment. There's a lot of stuff you need to read and, and kind of check it out. A brand new book just came out about it. And uh, I'll be happy to... Um, I don't have that in my notes this morning, but it just came out recently, and uh, I think I emailed it to somebody here. It, it's, um, it's just a book on uh, to, to be able to hand to your friends who doubt the truth of Scripture, and they say the Bible's full of contradictions and all that. This really smart guy wrote this book and put, it, put the cookies on a low enough shelf we can all reach them. You know what I'm saying? Some of those books are way up high, okay? And they're hard to reach in your understanding. But I think the greatest proof of the Bible, the greatest proof of this supernatural character of the Bible called Jesus Christ is Jesus himself. Jesus himself. Let me give you just a few more things and we'll be done. Have you ever thought about, you know, people say, well, Jesus wasn't real or Jesus isn't real or that's some fictitious character. Ladies and gentlemen, it would be impossible for any person, no matter how brilliant or wise or educated they are, or any committee of super intelligent people, to come up with an, inv- a- an invention, a fictitious character like Jesus Christ. I mean, they couldn't have done it. There is no way it would be possible for any men, again, or group of men or women, to put together all of the elements of the Old Testament that even pictured Jesus. Have you ever done a study of the tabernacle? When, when Moses and, and uh, Joshua and all of them were traveling through the, through the wilderness to get to the promised land, the tabernacle, excuse me, the tabernacle, God gave very clear instructions on the tabernacle, and when they would camp, they would set up this place of worship. My goodness, Jesus is in everything in that tabernacle. I mean, it's crazy. There's a book, a little thin paperback book called, I believe it's called Patterns on Purpose. And it's a book that that is really, really clear about all the pictures and types of Jesus Christ. No man could make that up. You can't make that stuff up. It would be impossible for men to have sat around and thought of, well, let's, let's let him be born of a virgin. They wouldn't have thought of that. Here's what they would have said. They would have said, okay, this character, we're going to create this fictitious character. We're going to call him Jesus. And uh, we're going to let him come from outer space in a spaceship. And then see, somebody would have said, that's already been done. That's how Superman got here. <laughs> yep, yeah, 
oh, gotta think of another. You understand what I'm saying? It's just ridiculous. They would have never come up with the fact that he will be born of a virgin and what that would mean, all of the meaning behind that. They would never have been able to come up with the fact that, well, he'll be born in Bethlehem. See, that was, that was prophesied in the Old Testament. They never would have been able to make up the story that he and his family would successfully escape Egypt because the King Herod wanted to kill Messiah. You know when Jesus was born, Satan uh, tried to start killing him uh, uh, immediately. He, he wanted to kill him immediately. All through Jesus' life, he sought to kill him. You remember when they were going to stone Jesus to death, and Jesus was backed up against a, a cliff right behind him, and they had their stones cocked back in their arm, and all of a sudden, Jesus pulled a Star Trek on them, and he was behind them on a mountain going, why's up? You say, man, this stuff's in the Bible. Yeah, you got to read it, man. Don't tell, don't tell me the Bible's boring and you don't understand it. When you tell me the Bible's boring and you don't understand it, you know what I think right off? You're just not reading it. The Bible's one of the most exciting books there is. It's, it's really a neat book. So those of you who are kind of deciding whether you want to believe it or not, why don't you start off by reading it? There's an idea. So... They could have never thought of that. King Herod and how he tried to, you know, he wanted to kill Jesus so bad that he couldn't figure out where he was. So you say, I think, Pastor, we live in the most violent times ever in history. I'm not sure about that. Herod said, well, since I don't know where Jesus is, we'll just kill all the babies two two years old and younger. Can you imagine that scene? Can you imagine the weeping, screaming, crying mothers, fathers, and families? But Jesus escaped. No human, no committee of humans could ever have known the details. And then you go to the Gospels. When you study closely the life of Jesus in the Gospels, there's no possible way that men could ever come up with such a person. As a matter of fact, people who didn't even believe in him back then said, no man ever spake like this man. No man ever spoke the words this man is speaking. Nobody ever spoke them the way he did. You know, it was one time when Jesus said, I am, and everybody just fell on the ground. That's in your Bible too. The things Jesus did, nobody ever expected him to do. The things he said, nobody ever expected him to say. No other person had ever done these things. No other person had ever said these things. There was no human explanation for Jesus. There is no human explanation for Jesus. The Bible, the supernatural book inspired by the Holy Spirit, we believe in this church that the Bible is infallible, that the Bible is without error. We believe it all the way from Genesis through Revelation, even on the outside where it says genuine leather. We believe that too, amen. We believe the Bible. The only way you can go looking for Jesus and not find him is if you refuse to look at the Bible. 
The word of God is our foundation for knowing who Jesus is. You say, oh, but pastor, I've had spiritual experiences where Jesus revealed himself to me and taught me things wonderful, but he's not going to bypass his Bible to give you some spiritual experience. And if you're not a studier of the word, I don't want to hear about your spiritual experiences. Amen? I don't believe God lets people take shortcuts. He wants you to dig. He wants you to find him. It's always funny to me when people say, I don't believe the Bible. I want to go. I have some questions for them. And the first one is, really? You don't believe the Bible. No, I have decided I don't believe the Bible is true. Really, after thousands of years of even secular people validating the scriptures, millions of people, all the prophecies that were stated and have come true and all the miracles that have, been, that have happened and been validated and the glory of him, the wonder of his word, what he did, what he said, who he was, how he loved, all of that has been affirmed again, not only by believers, but unbelievers alike. And you have decided it isn't true. Then I want to say, by what means did you rise to such a position? I mean, really, if you think about it, you've ordained for yourself a pretty significant position in the world. I mean, you're the greatest authority on Scripture now since you've decided it isn't true. When did you make yourself that final word on the truth of Scripture? It's a pretty big step to take. I mean, for you to make a claim, the only thing I can imagine again is that you've read the Bible, surely. I mean, if you're going to say that about the Bible, you have read it, haven't you? I mean, for you to make such a statement that the Bible isn't true, you've analyzed it and you've gone back into the original language and done word studies. And usually when I ask them that, they go, huh? You know? <laughs> Because I want to just say to people, read the Bible if you want to know the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, I know that sounds religious, but it isn't. The Bible's the truth. The Bible says, let me give you a couple of scriptures up on the screen. That I, didn't, I didn't write these scriptures out for you. But um, the bottom one is an error. Uh, that's my fault. I gave the guys the wrong scripture. But just write down Acts 17, 11 and John 5, 39. John 5, 39, not 33. In, in Acts 17, 11, the Bereans were a noble people. And the reason they were noble is because they wanted to know the truth. Now, there were a couple of preachers in their town preaching, and their name was Paul and Silas. Do you all remember those guys in the Bible? And they came in, and Paul's a pretty good preacher, from what I hear. And he was up there preaching, and when he got through, they said, sounds good. We appreciate you guys coming. Our spirit bears witness with your spirit. But I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take what you said and we're going to search the scriptures to decide whether what you said is really true or not. That's how you determine truth. I don't care if Paul's preaching. It doesn't matter who's preaching. It doesn't matter who's standing in this pulpit. It doesn't matter how flamboyant they are. It doesn't matter how much of an orator they are. It doesn't matter uh, how confident they sound. None of that matters. What matters is, is what they're saying jibe. Does it, does it flow with the truth of the Bible? The Bible is how we know the truth. And in Acts 17, 11, there's a, 
just a beautiful scripture there that says if you want to know the truth, validate it by the word of God. And then Jesus said, you know, Jesus isn't afraid to be checked out. You can check him out. Matter of fact, he challenges you to check him out in John 5, 39. He recommended, he said, search the scriptures, search them, search them. Search the scriptures. I gotta tell you, if there's one thing the church is really failing on in our private time, it's not only our prayer life, but it's searching the scriptures. Can I preach like that? Guys, we gotta get in the Bible. We gotta get in the Bible, because here's why. How many of you wake up in the morning, some mornings you just feel so spiritual? I mean, you just feel God. I do. There are mornings I wake up, I go, this is gonna be a good day. I mean, I look in the mirror and I got bad head and I'm still like, I feel spiritual, you know? And there are days I, I, there are days I, I just cry. There are days I hear a song and I feel, I, I love what the uh, black preacher said. He said, uh, I feel like some days the angels are playing tic-tac-toe on my backbone. I don't even know what that means and it feels, looks like it feels pretty good to me or sounds like it does. He said, I mean, I just feel the, the, the breeze of angel. <laughs> you know, I'm just in God's presence all day. Do you have days like that? Aren't they good days? Aren't they awesome days? Most Christian days aren't like that. Now, there are churches you can go to where the pastor will stand in the pulpit and tell you, every day is like that if you have enough faith. That's, that sounds good. There's just one thing wrong with it. It ain't true. Bad English, good preaching. There's going to be some days, and most of them, you can't go by how you feel. You have to go by what you know. You say, well, I don't feel his presence. But you know, he said, I will never leave you. You can't feel him but you know what his promise is. And the accuser comes and he says, you don't feel him because of this and you don't feel him because of that. And, and, you're a, and, and see, if you're ignorant of scripture, the accuser comes and beats you up big time. And you're thinking, well, I'm just gonna quit church or I'm just gonna give up. I can't walk this thing because you're going by your emotions. Stop it. Get in your Bible and get some foundation under your feet so when the feeling isn't there, you can stand strong in the midst of the storm. The more you study the word, the deeper you go into the scriptures, the deeper your roots go down. Book of Jeremiah talks about being by the rivers of life, the rivers of water, and getting those roots down so when the storm comes, so when the doubts come. I've come to a place in my life where I don't doubt anymore. Yeah, right. I doubt, we all doubt, but then I go back to what I know. I go back to what God promised. See, emotion isn't gonna help you when you're doubting. What you know gets you through the doubting times. Anybody hear me out there? So it's a scripture. The purpose of the Bible is to reveal truth. If you approach the scripture, listen to me, those of you who are battling with what I'm saying. Those of you who are out there who are going, I don't know if I believe that or not, here's all I challenge you to do. Approach the Bible with an open heart. Now, if you don't approach it with an open heart, you're not gonna hear from it. But you can approach the Bible and go, you know what, I don't know if I believe this or not, but I'm open, I'm open. If you're open, 
The Bible, Jesus said it. He said, search it. It will reveal me to you. You know what else Jesus said? Jesus, you remember what Jesus said to Pilate? He said, Pilate, if any man wants to know who I am, I will reveal it to him. So if you don't know who Jesus is today, you haven't desired to know. You haven't sought to know. Lee Strobel. Anybody read any Lee Strobel books? Good stuff, buddy. Case for Faith, Case for Christmas, Case for Christ. I don't know if he's, has he written other ones? He's awesome. He uh, set out to write a series of articles for the Chicago Tribune. He was going to prove in those articles that the Bible was not true, that it was just another book, that it was full of contradictions. About halfway through it, he got saved. About halfway through it, Jesus gripped his heart. He went to work for God and has written books now and speaks and is one of the most influential Christians of our day. We go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We find those guys there, and there are four of them. John, Paul, Ringo. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They provide us with four separate distinct views and accounts of the life of Jesus. In these four books is recorded the birth of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, and the promise of his return. Four different perspectives of Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, yet all of them harmonize beautifully together. There's so much information in these four books, we could never cover it all. As a matter of fact, if we picked a book and said we're just gonna dig into this book until we squeeze all the juice, we'd be here forever. So what we're gonna do is go to the book of John and we're gonna go to chapter eight and I'm not gonna do it today, we'll start next week or we'll start in the next sermon in this series. John was one of Jesus' apostles, one of his disciples and John records the amazing history of Jesus. One of the reasons I chose the book of John to focus on in this teaching about who Jesus is is because John wrote the purpose of his book in chapter 20 and verse 31. John wrote in chapter 20 and verse 31, these things have I written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. These things have I written so that you may believe Jesus is the Christ. You all do understand that Jesus was just an average name in that day, like Bob or Earl or Tom or John. There were a lot of Jesuses, but there was only one Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Son of God. He said, and then if you will read my book and believe these things, you will have eternal life in his name. Beautiful verse. John's saying, I'm writing this so you can know that Jesus is our Messiah, Savior, Son of God. By accepting him and believing these things about him, you will be born again. You'll have eternal life. So if you want to know the truth about Jesus, read the record of him in scriptures. John said, it is written that you might know. I want you to know, as your pastor, I want you to know who he is. When you hear the false teaching of intelligent, educated men with great gift of oratory and ability to write and they say things about him that are not true, I want you to be able to say 
I might be an average guy living in Princeton, North Carolina, but that's not the truth. I know the truth. John said, I wrote it that you might know. We can know. You can go to John's other books. John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and throughout those books he writes that you might know, that you might know, that you might know. We can know. You know, sometimes these cults come knocking on my door and they say, well, we, we hope. You know, there's only a limited number that can get into heaven and, you know, we hope we're one of them. Not according to my Bible. My Bible says you can know. Oh, I'm not perfect. But if my heart quit beating right now and I fell into a crumpled heap on the ground, I would be with Jesus. Oh, who do you think you are? Oh, I'm nobody. But I've trusted someone who is everything. You can know. Do you know? Do you know? Bow your head. Just say to him right now, Lord, I want to know. I want to be sure. And I believe you, Lord Jesus. I, I believe your word. I believe the things about you. I don't understand a lot of it. I couldn't answer a lot of questions if people asked me questions about the Bible or about you. I couldn't, I don't know how I would answer it, but I, I believe you died for me. And I know you did. I believe you rose from the dead for me. I know you did. And even though I don't understand everything about you, sir, I want to live for you. I want to live for you. I want to go to heaven. I want my family to go to heaven. So Jesus, come in my heart right now. Forgive me of my sins. I've decided to follow you today, sir. I've decided to quit running and making all kind of stupid excuses. I'm going to follow you. You can have my heart, my mind, my body. I open the door and invite you into my life, sir, that you might sit on the throne of my life. That you might push me to the side and get under the steering wheel and Guide my life, direct it where you want it to go. I want to be a good mom. I want to go to heaven. I want to lead as many people there as I can before I go. So I give you my life today. You can have me. If you prayed that prayer today, you've been born again. You say, but I didn't go to the altar and I didn't weep and I didn't get emotional and I didn't fill out a bunch of papers. I didn't join the church. I haven't been baptized yet. That's all right. All that stuff's later. Today, you've decided to follow Jesus. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. If you made that decision, will you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Just slip it up real quick. Put it right back down. Bless you.
Thank you. Thank you. Everybody look up. The Bible says when people do that, there's a party in heaven. So the least we can do is celebrate down here. Amen. Thanks for coming today. All our first-time guests, pick up your gift. Don't forget to sign up for the stuff. Let's clean all those tags off, and let's help those poor children, okay? God bless you guys. Thanks for coming to Whitley Church.